on the Colorado State Sports Network. From Learfield, this is the Colorado State Insider with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth. All right, fresh off the bye week, we are back here on the Colorado State Insider Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Great to have you with us. Brian Roth, voice of the Rams, your host. And yeah, bye week for the football team. Wasn't a bye week last week for the Colorado State Insider. We had you covered and. Well, we're going to talk more Colorado State Athletics uh, here this week on the podcast. Colorado State Insider Podcast is presented to you by SeatGeek. It's now the official fan-to-fan ticket marketplace of the CSU Rams. Whether you're buying or selling football tickets, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek so Ram fans can fan. All right, here's what we have coming up on the show. Again, we're going to talk a, a lot of Colorado State Athletics and obviously focus a ton on the big game on Saturday night in Boulders, the Rams travel to take on the 18th-ranked Buffaloes of Colorado. But we will talk other sports here in just a sec, and we'll wrap up the uh, Olympic sport conversation here this week with uh, an interview with Laura Selick. She's a 60-year golf coach at Colorado State, and the Rams come on out for one of their best seasons in program history, and they return just about everybody and we'll get a preview on their golf uh, season that starts this weekend starts on Sunday out in Madison Wisconsin at the Badger Invitational so stay tuned for that we'll sit down with Laura and get her thoughts on the season we'll obviously talk a lot of Colorado State football uh Braden Fowler Nicolosi had a chance to catch up with him out of Canvas Stadium yesterday I'll play you that interview and then We'll get a full preview of the Colorado Buffaloes with the voice of the Buffs, Mark Johnson. <laughs> Mark's going to join us on the show. He's got that deep, baritone voice, kind of like, uh, oh, the ex, uh, the former PA. Uh, gosh, I'm spacing on this. Oh, Alan Roach. Alan Roach is another one of those guys with the with the pipes. Mark certainly has the pipes. And Mark's going to join us on the show, and we'll talk uh, what it's like for uh, Colorado here this year and their fans. Obviously, they are on cloud nine, and uh, what Deion Sanders has done there at CU is, is really nothing short of remarkable, even though it might pain Ram fans to say that. It pains me to say that, but it's true. I mean, he has done a remarkable job there at uh, Colorado. So that's what we have coming up on the uh, show here this week. Let's take you around some Colorado State athletics. And again, we'll talk to Laura Selick coming up later on in the show. Uh, but how about volleyball? Off to a 5-4 and four start here in the season. Went 2-1 and one last week at Moby Arena. Got a win against Bowling Green in four sets on Thursday. Then well, took on a very good Baylor team on Friday. Bears came in, ranked 14th in the nation. And well, for the second straight year, they sweep the Rams. CSU, though, was competitive in set number 3. 26-24, they had to go extra, but... Again, the Bears took it, but the Rams bounced back against a pretty good Pacific team on Saturday in four sets to win their fifth match of the season. Now, it's a big week for Emily Cohan's team, and it always is when you get the Rocky Mountain Showdown volleyball style. They're going to play for the Golden Spike Trophy here this week, and it's a home-and-home series in the sport of volleyball, which I think is awesome. I think basketball should do that. Uh, Tad Boyle would never do that. Um... He has a hard enough time getting CSU on the schedule to begin with. There's no way he's going to do a home-and-home. But I think the home-and-home is cool. Uh, In volleyball, the Rams are going to be in Boulder on Thursday. And then the two teams will play in Fort Collins on on Friday. And uh, New Mexico and New Mexico State do that in men's basketball each year. I I think it's cool. And um, it's a Ram volleyball team that has a chance to uh, continue their 
domination over Colorado in the sport of volleyball. Rams hold a 26-17 series lead over the Buffaloes. The two teams split last year, each team winning on their home court. How about Colorado State women's soccer? program and what Keely Hagan has done there in her third season as the uh, head coach of Colorado State women's soccer a pair of road wins last week and they're now 5-0 and 1 on the season 5-0 and 1 by far the best start in school history they beat Montana and Missoula last uh last Thursday I believe it was 1-0 and then on Sunday they traveled over to Pocatello Idaho and they beat Idaho State 2-1 Olivia Stutzman and Hale Otto both finding the back of the net in that match. It was the first school of the season for both of those young ladies. And, you know, 5-0-1 to open up this season. Really a remarkable start to the season for them. And a couple of home matches. Utah Tech coming up tomorrow at 4 p.m. And Utah, the Utes coming to town on Sunday at 1 p.m. Both matches here at Colorado State. All right, more winning. How about this? Congrats to Colorado State Men's Golf. They won the Gene Miranda Falcon Invite down at the Air Force Academy at the Eisenhower Courses. Second straight year they've done it. Fifth time overall that they've gone down there and taken the Falcon Invite. And Colorado State, they dominated last year, if you remember that. Just lapped the field. Well, the Rams won this year by 11 strokes over second place Wyoming. Christoph Blyer took second. Uh, He... Finished the 54-hole tournament in a tie for first, but lost on the uh, first playoff hole. But Blyer, 13-under for the tournament. He was terrific. Connor Jones took ninth, as did CSU freshman Jake Rogers. So a good showing from a young golfer there for Colorado State. And uh, we'll we'll help celebrate that victory for the Rams coming up on next week's podcast. We're going to have both Michael Wilson, second-year golf coach at Colorado State, and senior Connor Jones on the podcast next week. And Connor, of course, uh, won the Ram Masters uh, a week and a half ago over at Fort Collins Country Club. And uh, Connor had a terrific summer in the amateur ranks, including that uh, run to the round of 32 in the U.S. Amateur down at Cherry Hill. So Michael Wilson and Connor Jones going to be on the podcast coming up uh, next week. Cross country, they are off until next Friday on the 22nd of September when they head out to Minnesota for the Roy Griak in Minneapolis again Friday, the 22nd here of September. And we'll get more into cross country here in the coming weeks. All right. uh, I know I said we would have Laura Selick later on in the show. We're just going to talk to Laura right now. Why not? Laura Selick in her sixth season as the women's golf coach. And uh, Rams coming off one of their best seasons in really program history. They finished third in the Mountain West Conference last season. And it was their first Top three finish in the conference championships since 2018. They had three top 10 finishers at the championship last year as well. And how about this? They returned all five players that they really counted on last year. They're bringing in a transfer as well. Now, the top two players to watch out for, Sophia Torres, made it to the NCAA regionals in Indiana last year and put together... One of the best seasons in the history of Colorado State. In fact, best stroke average in program history at 72.67. And it broke the previous record for Colorado State women's golf stroke average in the season by a full stroke. And then you have Andrea Berg's daughter. She returns for another season. Berg's daughter was right behind Torres in stroke average last year at 73.27. She had five top 10 finishes last year. Those two 
are going to be leading the way. Then you bring in a transfer from Memphis and Katie Stitchcomb. She's a junior. And then a freshman coming in and Kara Kanashiro. The schedule, well, it starts coming up this week at Badger Invitational out in Madison. The team's going to head out there on Friday, practice round Saturday, and then the tournament 54 holes goes Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. All right, here to preview the season and give you more insight on the women's golf program here at Colorado State is the head coach, Laura Seelig. All right, Laura, thanks for joining us here. The golf season is upon us as uh, you guys go for the entire year. Obviously, it doesn't wrap up until the spring at the Mountain West Conference Championships next April, but the season gets started for you guys here this weekend. And I know you're excited about it. It's your sixth year. And just reflect to start off on the season that you had last year. You finished third in the Mountain West Conference, uh, first top three since 2018, and then you had three top 10 finishers at the Mountain West Conference Championships last year, too. Yeah, yeah. it's been a really fun, or last year was a really fun year. Um, it's been fun reflecting on it, and obviously now we turn the page to this year, but it's definitely some good motivation. We had, you know, a ton of individual success and then a lot of team success with those little individual milestones. Um, Andrea last year became the lowest scoring average in school history. Um, her and I think she edged Sophie out barely but they kind of competed for that all year and then Sophie made it to regionals she ended up I think like 115 in the country 115th out of gosh 320 schools times five play times seven or eight players at each one so pretty good feat to finish in the top 200 in the country let alone the top 150 um and then yeah the Mountain West tournament we almost we just down to the last nine holes there we were leading going into the final round and um you know san jose state was ranked third in the country at the time and new mexico was top 25 so both those teams had really good runs at the ncaa tournament and you know it was awesome to be right there with them and definitely a learning experience for us but i think this year you know with that under your belt will give us a little more confidence when we get into those positions yeah, so it's one thing to to have that season and then turn the page to the next season. You look at your roster and just about everybody's back, yeah. right? I mean, you return your base, your top five players from last year. You bring in a transfer. You have a freshman. You expect to to compete and break into that top five. I mean, what are the expectations this season for CSU women's golf? Yeah, you know, we try to kind of take it one tournament at a time because it's golf is a sport where you're really just playing the golf course. You know, you're not you can't influence other teams. You can't steal the ball from them. You can't block a shot. So like we're going into Madison, Wisconsin on Friday playing um, for three days out there with, you know, really good schools, lots of power five conferences. And it doesn't really matter who all those people are. We're kind of focusing on the golf course. How do we play this course the best we can? Um, so trying to put the expect the expectations are there. We want to go win every tournament we play in, but you kind of have to bring it back down to the, to the root level of just, all right, how are we going to go play this golf course and let the rest work itself out? All right, well, let's talk about some of those returners. And let's start with Sophia Torres because, as you mentioned, made it to the regionals last year. And uh, her, along with uh, Andrea, put together two of the yeah. best really individual seasons in the history yeah. of Colorado State University. But start with Sophia. How was her summer? And what are the expectations for her entering this year? Yeah, so Sophia, she played well into May, which was, um, you know, kind of shortened her summer a little bit. So that was in a good way. 
Um, she took a little bit of a break when she got done, went home to Columbia, um, you know, played in some local tournaments around there, which she won one of them and then finished top three in the Columbian Open. So really prideful things for her. She loves playing around home and getting to compete in her home country and then going back to the U.S. So um, she had a great summer, got a lot of work in with her swing coach. Um, she's looked really good this spring. Her scoring average through qualifying is a 73, so just one over par um, through six rounds. So just really solid. She's someone you know. When you go out, when we go out to our first tournament, she's going to, she's played Wisconsin's course a lot for the last three years. So she, she's just one of those people. It's like, all right, she's got it. She knows what she's doing. She's going to ask us if she needs some help and um, just really solid player. So um, very much a leadership role for her this year. And um, she's just kind of keep letting her do what she's doing because it's working. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what what can an experience like going to an NCA regionals do for a, a player now that she comes back here and she kind of understands the 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 big picture, I guess. Yeah. Anytime you play on, you know, a national level like that where you're playing the best teams in the country, you see there's not a lot of difference between you and them. And I think that's the most important part is and that's something she's telling her teammates too. You know, they do the same things as us. They just um consistency throughout the year and confidence and realizing, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm better than a lot of these teams and, and individual players. And I just need to go out and play my game and trust myself and it'll all happen the way it should. So I think just the level of confidence and understanding that there's not that much difference between you and those postseason teams. All right. Uh, how about uh, Andrea Berg's daughter? And uh, we mentioned Torres from Columbia Berg's daughter from, from Sweden and again, she had a terrific season last year. I think five top 10 finishes. How was her summer and what are the expectations for her? Yeah, Andrea's played, you know, kind of all over the world this summer. She was over in um, England for an uh, international event. She played a lot of events in Sweden. She um, got invited to the world junior in Dubai, but we're going to be in Miami. So she had to decline <laughs> that invitation, but um, that's, She's great about getting out and playing a lot in the summer, finding competition. Um, so totally expect her to come out running. She's averaging under par 71 through six rounds of qualifying. So she's been playing really well, really solid. And just has a really unique excitement about her, her last year of college golf, really enjoying her teammates, feels confident about our schedule coming up. She's played a lot of the courses. So we just really expecting her to be pretty solid and consistent and, um, yeah, she's been a great, a great teammate for us. And her and I kind of came into this together. She was my first recruiting class at Colorado State. So um, just a little bit of a special bond there. Colorado State women's golf coach, Laura Selick, joining us here on the show. Again, the Rams are going to be in uh, Wisconsin. And they'll start on Sunday there in the Badger Invitation. Before we get to to the schedule, talk about some of those other returners. I know uh, Lacey Uchida had a great showing at the Mountain West Conference um, Championships last year. And then I'm not even going to try to pronounce their last names uh, or their first names. I never do, but uh, Friendly and Fancy are, are both back on the roster. Yeah, so we have um, Andrew and Sophie probably um, kind of our top two this year from scoring average, you know, just from last year. Um Fancy Lacey are going to be our returners. Um, they're, you know, those three and four and five positions on a lineup are really important. Um, and they, you know, have two years under their belt. They're juniors, feeling a little more confident. Just really, really hard workers. They come in every day wanting to get better and really excited to get out and compete. Um, 
Kara Kanashiro is our freshman this year, and she's coming off a really good junior career, played in a lot of USGA events, girls junior, junior AMs, um, and, you know, finished second at the North-South in Pinehurst this year. So really excited about her. She's averaging even par through six rounds of qualifying. So she's right there with them and really pushing pushing the team, which is awesome to see from a freshman. Um, and then we have a transfer student Katie um, Stinchcomb and she's from Scottsdale Arizona so um, really excited to have her and she's bringing a level of maturity that comes with being a transferred junior so she's had two years of college and understands how it works and the travel and all of that stuff so um, just a really fun group small but mighty <laughs> um, so they have a lot of fun together and they come show up every day ready to learn and work hard and that's about all you can ask as a coach. Yeah, I know you guys are ready to to get the season started. Obviously, starting uh, this weekend in uh, Madison at that Badger Invitational, uh, play Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then come back and you host the uh, Colonel Wollenberg uh, Ram Classic out at uh, Tarmigan. So, a couple of uh, big tournaments to open up your season. Yes, um, you know Wisconsin's familiar for us. We've gone back there every year, which is nice to start. You know, sometimes in golf, if you change the courses too much, it becomes a little overwhelming because you have to learn a whole new golf course. Um, so the familiarity was starting somewhere like Wisconsin's, and it's one of my favorite courses we play all year. It's it's awesome. It's unique. It's in very quiet area. It's it, they actually their cross country co course is around the golf course, so it's a pretty awesome place to start the year and then hosting at home is always fun we only have one home tournament a year people come out and watch their friends can come out and watch them sleeping in your own bed um so we really like to see and we haven't won that tournament at least since i've been i don't think we've won it in a long time so that's right. when we want it this year and the buffs are coming this year so it'll be a fun little ride for you. oh perfect well I, I was like uh watching what the girls were able to do out there I, that's that's my home course time again yeah. <laughs> i like to watch those girls get out there on that course and just do things i couldn't even dream about doing out there i know it's, it's a lot of fun, fun. well i, I know think the members love that too to see you know see right. playing their golf course and like gosh yeah. they're just blown away by what they can do <laughs> and it's in great condition too at least uh it was as of last week so yes. hey listen laura i know expectations are high this year that's always a good thing and appreciate you you joining us best of luck uh, out in madison thank you All right, there's Laura Seelix, 60-year head coach at Colorado State. And again, in Madison here this weekend, you heard us talking about the Colonel Wollenberg Ram Classic out at Tarmigan. And it is always fun to watch uh, those top collegiate golfers go out to Tarmigan and uh, see what they can do. Tarmigan's a tough course. The greens are in great shape here this summer, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun that comes up in a couple of weeks all right well let's talk about football obviously a massive game coming up on saturday night as the rams get set to take on the buffaloes of colorado uh college game day espn's crew is going to be out there the uh, big noon fox crew is going to be out there i mean the uh, the amount of coverage that's going into this game is fantastic I know Colorado State sitting at 0-1. It was a disappointing season opener a week and a half ago against Washington State. Yeah, Colorado is the heavy favorite, and all eyes are on them. But it really marks an, an incredible opportunity for this Colorado State Ram football program. We're going to hear from Braden Fowler-Nicolosi. We'll talk about the quarterback situation, and then we'll hear from Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffs. But 
One quick uh, programming note. Coming up tonight, back at CB and Potts, the Coors Light Jane Norvell Coaches Show will go 6 to 7 p.m. Power 1029 for the folks up in uh, northern Colorado, ESPN 1600. Uh, for the folks down in Denver, of course, you can always catch that show on the Varsity app. And if you subscribe to this podcast, it'll be available to you on Thursday. And you can listen to this show that way. But come on out. Hey, listen, it's always a packed house. Prizes given away each week. And um, we have a CSU helmet that we put up there with myself and Jay, along with the opponent's helmet. Uh, that would be, obviously, Colorado's helmet. By the way, I went and picked that up on Monday, and I was walking through Canvas Stadium with the CU helmet, and I was walking by a bunch of the players eating. Uh, and they all looked at me with the helmet and started staring me down. I don't think they like to see that CU helmet in uh, Canvas Stadium. Of course, that's where I got it from, the equipment room. Uh, but we're going to have the Buffs helmet, the Rams helmet. But the Ram helmet that we have each and every week, players sign it. Any player that we have on the show is going to sign it. Jay has signed it. Uh, Amy Parsons, president, has signed it. And uh, Tori Horton's going to sign it. Tori Horton is going to be our guest here tonight. And at the end of the year, that helmet that's going to be signed by a ton of CSU players, uh, we're going to give it away at the end of the year. Every show you come to, you get a raffle ticket that is into the hopper for the year-end drawing. So, again, come on out. Get your name in the hopper for that CSU helmet. Uh, Enjoy great food and uh, drink specials out there at CBN Pots. But Chad Savage, wide receivers coach, can be out there with us. Obviously, Jane Orvell and then Tori Horton, the uh, wide receiver for Colorado State. All right. Well, look, it's a Colorado State team that's coming off a bye, and you hope they got some stuff corrected. Um, Obviously, you look back to the game against Washington State a week and a half ago. Rams fall 50-24. to in that contest, and then you get the week to buy, which really was a, a strange thing, at least for me. I get into the football season, you start to get into a little bit of a rhythm, and boy, you got that first game, and then boom, bye week, and didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I had youth soccer, youth hockey during the day last Saturday, and then got home, watched college football all night. The Texas-Bama game was terrific, and really watched a lot of that Washington State and Wisconsin game, and just praying, hoping that Washington State was going to win that game. And, of course, they got off to a great start up 24-6 at one point. Wisconsin made a run, got it to 24-22, but uh, the Cougars closed it out. They would win it 31-22 and a good, good win for Washington State. And in turn, a good, good win for Colorado State. And I, I, I hope it makes Ram fans out there feel a little bit better. It makes me feel a little bit better. Not a whole lot, but a little bit better knowing that it looks like Washington State's a pretty darn good football team. And in fact, Washington State now into the top 25, ranked 23rd in the nation. So technically, it's a Colorado State team opening up their season with a pair of top 25 teams with, of course, Colorado on Saturday night coming in ranked 18th in the nation. Washington State should go to 3-0. and They have Northern Colorado here this weekend. Bears 0-2 and uh, Washington State. Not going to have any trouble with the uh, Bears, one would think. All right, well, uh, obviously we talked on the podcast last week. In fact, the offense wasn't very good in the first half and into the third quarter. And Clay Millen uh, played two and a half quarters on Saturday against Washington State and then took a shot and exited the game, and the Rams went with Braden Fowler-Nicolosi, the redshirt freshman, the rest of the way. Fowler-Nicolosi, 13 of 20, 210 yards through the air, two touchdowns, did have an INT, nearly had another INT in that game. 
And that was a big talking point with, with Ram fans over this past bye week. Ram fans that uh, I know personally and, and looking at Twitter, that was the big question mark. Is Clay Millen going to be the starter? And the answer is no. And Jay Norville made that official on Monday at his press conference, said that Braden Fowler and Nicolosi would make his first start of the season. It'll be a second career start. And uh, number 16 will be out there quarterbacking Colorado State to open up the game. And you look at Fowler Nicolosi. Last year played three games and started at Nevada. Now, he only threw for 78 yards in that game and didn't produce an offensive touchdown. But uh, obviously, he was a true freshman last year, but did lead the Rams on a 53-yard drive in the final minutes to put him in field goal range, which, uh, you know, of course, they... They won it on a Michael Boyle, I think it was about a 43-yard field goal, as time expired to, to get the 17-14 win over Nevada. And so that was a pretty pretty gutsy drive for Braden Fowler-Nicolosi with a tie game in the closing minutes. Probably has a quicker release and is a more mobile quarterback than, than Clay Mill, and that is undisputed. And Fowler can go pretty well on his legs. Not a running quarterback, but we've watched him enough to know that he is he's pretty mobile back there in the pocket and, and can run. But boy, he's going to be thrown into the fire on Saturday night when the Rams and Buffs hook up at Folsom Field in Boulder and the eyes of the nation will be on him. And earlier this week, had a chance to catch up with Braden and talk about the starts and I'll talk a little bit more about how he feels coming into his redshirt freshman season. Talk about the emotions, the feelings going into a game like this, knowing that uh, you're going to be trotting out there with the offense to open up the game as the starting quarterback for the Colorado State Rams. I think we're all excited as a whole. I mean, it's hard not to get excited about a game like this. And this atmosphere we know we're going into is going to be pretty awesome and a little bit hostile, and we're here for it. When did you know that you were going to be starting this game? Obviously, you guys have had the bye week. Uh, how long have you had a chance to prepare for this? Um, I never really got an official announcement from anybody, but I think the uh, I, I'd say probably about three or four days uh, after the Washington State game. Right. You, you started to get reps with the uh, first team? Yes, yes, sir. Yeah. So how, how did you come into this season? Obviously, Clay Millen was the starter last year, kind of the incumbent coming into this year. You were battling along with some other of redshirt freshman quarterback. What was the mindset coming into the season? Um, prepare like the starter. Every day, get the chance to take reps, take them like you're the starter. And I think when you do that and you have that mentality going into something like this, and then you finally get your opportunity, it prepares you pretty well for it. Obviously, it would be a big difference if you didn't see the field at all last year for Colorado State. That wasn't the case. You played in three games, got to start at Nevada. How much can you draw on the game experience from last year and utilize it here tonight against Colorado? So much. I think I think having that game under my belt and understanding how the crowd and environment is at an away game and then understanding how to get the job done when it's time to do that uh, – is crucial and the fact that I've already had a chance to do that is definitely very beneficial. Give fans a just a little bit of an insight to Braden Fowler Nicolosi, maybe the maybe the kid. I mean, here you are, what are you, 19 years old and you're in Ford Collins. What's unique about you? Something that's happened to your life? I think um <laughs> Tough question gosh. I know. Yeah, uh 
I, I don't have anything super crazy that yeah. happened as a child, <laughs> yeah. but um, I think I lived in San Diego for a while, and I absolutely loved to fish. And you love to fish. So you're not necessarily a Texas guy through and through. you got some Cali mixed in there, too. There, there's a little bit of Cali in there. Okay. All right. A uh, couple final thoughts before we let you go. Uh, Colorado. You look at all the attention that they're getting. Obviously, that boosts the attention that you guys will receive here in this contest. Uh, it seems like a big opportunity. How are you guys as a team approaching this? I think it's important to look at it like another game. I don't think in our minds we need to be overhyping this to the point where we see it as like a, uh, a life or death situation. Like it's honestly just another game on our schedule and we need to go out there and do what we know we can do. All right, final thought. What, what are you expecting from yourself here tonight? Consistency. I, I want to play fast, play well, and trust all the crazy athletes I have around me. Yeah, that's right. I, I lied. Is there a nickname? You go. I mean, you go by a nickname at all? I mean, with people are starting to call you BFN. I, I don't know. Does that fit? Um, I, I had a childhood nickname. I don't. I don't know if I would love it anymore. <laughs> okay. No. Well, if you don't want it anymore, um, we won't give it to you. We might have to. Is BFN fine, or do we do I, need, need a new nickname? I'm all right with BFN. If okay. y'all want to stick with it, I'm okay. With it. <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, best of luck. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, so there's Braden Fowler Nicolosi, the redshirt freshman quarterback for Colorado State. And uh, again, he'll be making his second career start on Saturday night against Colorado. All right, Mark Johnson, the voice of the Buffs, coming up here in just a moment. But first, a quick synopsis on the team that the Rams are going to face this year. And uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard nothing but Colorado football over the Really, I mean, since December, but certainly in the first two weeks of the college football season, the Buffaloes are the story. There's no denying that. And I know it pains Ram fans to see it, but that is the fact of the matter. Obviously, it's all because of Deion Sanders. Sanders, three years at Jackson State, where he went 27-6. and six. The four years prior to that, he was a high school offensive coordinator at Trinity Christian High School in Cedar Hill, Texas. That's in the uh, Dallas Metroplex. And he was coaching his sons there, including uh, Shadur, who is obviously the starting quarterback for the Buffaloes. But went to Jackson State, uh, brought in some very good talent, went 27-6. And then it was Colorado back in early December that that gave him his, his first FBS shot and Obviously, the publicity comes with it, and he completely overhauled the roster. 87 newcomers to the program since he took over, including 57 that came in in the fall that weren't even around in the spring. And another thing I thought was interesting is looking at the roster, 21 players from the state of Florida. Now, obviously, Dion played at Florida State, and he has a lot of knowledge from the, the, the state of Florida, but 21 players from the state of Florida, most on the team, and they have just 12 players from Colorado. Most of those are walk-ons, but 87 new players, and he completely turned over the roster from a team that only won two games, uh, in fact, one game last year, right? They went 1-11 last year, and... Obviously, they open up the season with the big 45-42 win against TCU and then followed it up with a 36-14 win against Nebraska at Folsom Field last week. Now, I did not watch the CU-Nebraska game live last week. Again, I was doing youth hockey and youth soccer all day on Saturday, but I did record the game and re-watched it last night. And 
I mean, that game was 0-0 with about five minutes to go in the second quarter. I mean, it was right there for Nebraska. It was 13-7 midway through the, the third quarter, but Nebraska couldn't get out of their own way. And Colorado eventually found some traction offensively and, and ended up winning it, obviously, 36-14. But, but that game wasn't the blowout as the final score may have indicated. And I guess that surprised me a little bit because I did not watch the game live, just saw the final score. And then going back and watching it, it just it was not a dominating effort by Colorado, although it was a, a good win. The offense has been really, really good, and Shadur Sanders is the reason why. He has been terrific. And we all know quarterback play means the world, whether it's the NFL or it's college. You have to have a good quarterback if you're going to light up the scoreboard, and man, does Colorado have that. Shadur Sanders is terrific. I watched the TCU game and, again, watched the Nebraska game last night. Threw for 5'10 and four touchdowns against TCU. Threw for 392 and two touchdowns against Nebraska. He is the straw that stirs the drink for that Colorado offense, and he is both sides of the ball, and this includes Travis Hunter. He is the number one threat on that Colorado football team. He is the dude. They have not run the ball well yet. Just 56 yards per game. That's 124th in the nation. Dylan Edwards, the freshman running back, is explosive. He had a 34-yard run, uh, run last week and can catch the football in the backfield. And then some really good wide receivers. Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr., both transfers from uh, South Florida, USF. And then, of course, Travis Hunter. I know he gets a lot of the um, – Publicity, as he should. Again, what played 129 snaps in the season opener against TCU. Hunter's really good. A two-way player. Very good defensive back. He's a very good wide receiver. But uh, Sanders, Shadur Sanders, is the guy that makes them go. The defense has struggled this year. They're giving up 242 yards on the ground. I mean, Nebraska ran for 222 last week. In the opener, TCU ran for 262. Uh, but... Again, it's a it's a Colorado defense that uh, just has to keep the opponents at arm's length, and and you figure that Sanders and that offense are going to do what uh, they've done through the first two weeks. So the CSU defense is going to be tested mightily on Saturday night, and they better come with a, a little bit more juice than they had in the season opener against Cameron Ward and Washington State. I mean, you have to somehow keep this Colorado offense at, at arm's length. And I, you're going to have to score in the 30s to win this game. I, I think it's pretty clear. And, in fact, Jay Norvell said he thought uh, they're going to have to score 34. Uh, CSU would have to score 34 to, to win this game. Ram offense has to be good on Saturday night. There is no if and or buts about it. CSU has got to put up points if they want to be competitive and if they want to pull the upset, which, you know, really would go down as one of the top wins in the history of, of Colorado State Ram football. Be right up there if they did. Considering the amount of eyes and attention on the game Saturday night, it'd be right up there with the 1990, what was that, 94 win uh, down in Tucson against uh, Arizona. All right, let's uh, bring on the uh, man who's been calling the CU games uh, through thick and thin. And it's been a lot of thin over the years, but not this year. Mark Johnson, the voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, to preview the Buffs and the game on Saturday night.
All right, Mark, thanks for taking a couple of minutes out of your, your busy schedule. I, I know you're probably more busy this year than, than you have been in the last uh, few years combined with everything going around Colorado football these days. Uh, first question, are you having fun yet? Oh, I'm having fun. There's no doubt about that, Brian. Winning is fun. And and as you well know, in my previous 19 seasons, just being number 20, I didn't get to call a lot of wins. I had 2004, 05, and 16. Those only three winning seasons I called the previous 19. So this is a lot of fun. And then when you're around Coach Prime and the attention that that just seems to find him everywhere, it, it makes it makes everything just a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit more fun, certainly more animated. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a, a wonderful ride here through a couple of weeks, no doubt about that. How, how would you describe the the turnaround for this Colorado program from the middle of last year when Carl Durrell gets fired in uh, October? I don't know what game it was to to when Dion's hired in December. I mean, it is remarkable. But how how do you describe it? Because you've had a front row seat for it for the past nine months. Brian, it's been like a tsunami has hit Boulder, Colorado. It, it really has because it's affected every single aspect of the athletic department, not just football. I mean, when you look at the donations, the sponsorships, the endorsements, the season ticket sales, the, uh, I mean, you name it, everything, everything has been affected. The apparel sales. I mean, Colorado was last year, I've said many times, I thought the Buffaloes were probably the most irrelevant power five team in the country and and hands down the worst power five team in the country. And, And now Colorado is the most talked about team, not just in college football but in sports you can't turn on a broadcast right now with at some point and i'm not talking just college football you can want to turn on a baseball game doesn't matter at some point the buffs will come up in conversation and Deion sanders will come up in conversation and and the you know, last i heard that you know the buffs apparel brand was now number one of the pac-12 and i don't know near the top anyway in the country and so it's stunning uh how things have turned around and you know walking through the champion center right now brian it's it's, uh, you know, just a who's who of, of who's going to come walking down the hallway. I mean, it's just not a surprise anymore. When I walk down the hallway and I walk by a Hall of Fame football player, I walk by, you know, some uh, entertainment industry star or, you know, whoever. I mean, it's it's really kind of ridiculous. I got on the elevator here about a week and a half, two weeks ago. I don't know who the folks were. Um, I, I think it was a rap group of some sort. Uh, I didn't know them and they didn't know me. Uh, very nice folks <laughs> and a nice conversation. But I mean, it, it's just it's just stunning uh, the way this thing is right now, and, and uh, just by association, then you know, kind of spills over on you, and so it's uh, it's been nonstop interviews around the country. Everyone wants to talk about the Buffaloes, and so I'm the easiest guy to get to, so I'm doing those interviews now. Yeah, I know we were trying to schedule this interview, and it's it's a lot different. I mean, you're, you you probably are much much busier than than you have been in in past years, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's been no reason to talk to me in, in past years. I mean, there was a few <laughs> folks you and I would talk before the Buffs and Rams played, and, right? And you know, there was a few normal weekly interviews I do, but it wasn't like uh, and even on the Pac-12 Network, I'd get a call every couple of weeks just to talk about the Buffs a little bit. But now it's it's literally a daily basis because this story has become so compelling because you've got Coach Prime, you've got what he's done on the field, you've got multiple Heisman Trophy. Uh, candidates are being talked about right now and Travis Hunter and Shadour Sanders. And so it, it's just become so compelling. Everyone wants to you know, get a little piece of it. All right. What were your expectations coming into the season for CU football, whether it was wins or losses or just general expectations three weeks ago, if you and I would have had this conversation and I asked you, what are your expectations for this team? 
what were they? And number two, how have they changed after two weeks? Well, well, number one, it was hard to assess, right? Because everything was brand new. You've got a new head coach. You've got an entirely new staff, new systems on both sides of the ball, and literally an entirely new roster. So there was nothing to base it on. No baseline from the year before. I couldn't say, well, they were 1-11, and 11, but this guy's coming back and that guy's coming back, and I think this one's going to uh, coming off a redshirt. None of that applied anymore. And so it was totally a, a just a total uh, blank canvas, if you will, to try and figure out what this team was all about. So as I watched them through fall camp, I thought, boy, they look pretty fast. I think I see what I think I see. But it's it's your own on your own. You know, it's you're always going against the same guys every day. And so it's hard to evaluate. I was optimistic. I I, I thought, well, they've they've got pretty good team speed, I think. Uh the quarterback looks pretty darn good. You know, if this team gets to five, six wins, finds a bowl game that's a five or six time uh, you know, fold increase from a year ago from wins. And you got to think that's phenomenal. I mean, what an amazing turnaround that in and of itself would be. Well, then we go out and play the national runner up a year ago in TCU two weeks ago or three weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago now, I guess, three games ago. And with the middle of the first quarter, I'm thinking we are unbelievably fast. TCU cannot run with us. Uh, with Travis Hunter and Jimmy Horn Jr. and Dylan Edwards and Xavier Weaver and on down the line. And then most notably, Brian, was how good the quarterback was. And I, my guess is you probably want to talk a little bit more about him, but I'll just say he is better. And I thought he was awful good in camp. He's better than I thought he was in many respects. Shadora Sanders has been unbelievable. Well, let's let's go right into it. And I had mentioned earlier on the podcast that, I mean, he is, to me, the guy – I mean, not just on the on the football team or just in the offense, but really the football team. I mean, if if I'm at a draft from the Colorado's roster, Sanders is is for sure my my number one draft pick. What have you seen from him through the first two games that has impressed you most? Well, co- coming through camp, what I did see was he's a good looking athlete, big guy. When you talk with him, he's a very bright individual, and, and I've I've been around him a couple of times when he was talking football. He has got a high football IQ. Uh, and so I've been awful impressed with that. He throws the ball very accurately and on time, throws a very nice ball. And, and so all of that I saw in camp and thought, boy, I think this guy could be pretty good. Then when we saw him, you know, when the bullets are flying in a real game and you see the way he manipulates the pocket and moves around and buys time. And Brian, but the eyes are always downfield. He's got a knack. There was a two point conversion try uh, in the last ball game that didn't ultimately count because he had to scramble so much and and the ball skipped as it got to uh, uh, Hankerson. But it was just the fact that he kept the play alive and always had a sense of what was happening in the end zone as he tried to get the ball down there. I thought was an unbelievably impressive play. And, and I thought a great example of what I'm talking about. He really is the total package as a quarterback. And, 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 you know, I had a, uh, an NFL, former NFL head coach that I know that uh, said, he said, as I've evaluated him and seen him now through two games, he said, I think that's a 10 to 15 year NFL starter. And wow. so he is a very good quarterback, not not just a good high college quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback. that's going to play a long time in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, to me, he makes all the difference in the world and just has that that those instincts that you just don't coach. I mean, you're born with them. And obviously, you shouldn't be surprised when it's Deion Sanders son that He's got those terrific instincts, but there are weapons around him. And uh, tell, tell me about Travis Hunter, because I, I saw he played, what, 129 snaps in the opener. How many snaps did he play uh, against Nebraska? 
Uh, it's, it's in that same range. I mean, it's well over 100. And so okay. he's, he's somewhere around 250 snaps, roughly, give or take, uh, over the two ball games. Uh, he's one of those guys I've said, you know, you could you could uh, you could take a Martian and walk him down to the, the practice field and he'd know nothing about football and just have him look for 30 seconds. And he points to number 12 and he'd say that one's different than the rest of them. I mean, he's right. one of those guys. Um, he is he's a freak of an athlete. His instincts, the interception that you remembered against TCU down to the goal line. Right. I thought was one of the great I've ever seen. It wasn't even his man that he, that he picked off there, the, the receiver that he ultimately got in front of. He's got great instincts. He he dropped back had another player, read the quarterback, read the play, understood what was happening, and then made a break on the ball, and he's fast enough to do so, made a break in the ball and picked up the football off. And so uh, you, you want to talk about a spectacular football play. That's a great one. And, and then I'll be honest with you, the most impressive play I've seen him make was not even that one. It was a defensive tackle at one point because there was he was on the, on the boundary side of the play, away from where it ran, and TCU ran a little sweep and ran it off to the other side, and the guy broke the edge. There was no containment there. Broke the edge. Looked like he's going for a touchdown. And here, the best athlete on the field, Travis Hunter, didn't have to do it. He ran him down for the backside and got him uh, and saved a touchdown. And and I thought that spoke more to me about kind of the heart that he has, the way he plays, than anything else. Than all the, the spectacular athletic plays he makes. So, uh, but he he's unique, man. It's. I've never seen anything like it where he's the best player on both sides of the ball the entire game. And, and yeah, that really is saying something. All right, let's switch sides of the ball to the defense. Giving up some yards on the ground. I know TCU had a big day rushing the football. Uh, Nebraska, I believe, ran for over 200 yards in, in, in that game. What have you seen from this defense? Obviously, they, they had a bunch of takeaways last week. But uh, is the defense kind of a work in progress? Because I mean, they look like they made an improvement from uh, week one to week two. No, they, they did. They made it made a huge improvement. And, and the, the rushing numbers last week weren't quite what the the, the black and white number says. Uh, Nebraska had a couple of big runs, so so uh, there was a good chunk of that that came on a couple of plays. And so um, I thought they really played pretty well. I mean, they, they held. Let, let's be honest, they held Nebraska under three hundred yards and to seven points in that bowl game. It, they went over the three hundred yard mark and got that late touchdown when, when it was all you know third string guys out there late in the ball game. It was an oh by the way touchdown. So so overall, it was a pretty impressive defense performance. Uh, last week against Nebraska, and I, I think we saw great improvement. They're very good on the back end. I mean, you've got Travis Hunter back there. Shiloh Sanders, Deion Sun is back there. Trevor Woods, who's who's been now a three-year starter for the Buffaloes and is a, a NFL-caliber safety back there. And then Amarian Cooper on the other side. That is a very daunting uh, secondary. And then they won you know, what they call their star, kind of a nickel, if you will. Uh, and, and this young man named Slusher back there, who didn't play last week, did the week before, who was outstanding against TCU. And even the guy, Cameron Silman Craig, who is a transfer guy, uh, filled in for his position last week and had the, the interception. They're very good on the back end. They're very athletic uh, in the linebacking core. Uh, and again, all these guys are transfers that you talk about. So McClendon and and Mitchell and all these different guys you're going to see out there. The bulk of them are all transfer guys. And, and then up front, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, they they did surrender some rushing yards traditionally uh, in that first game against TCU. Not not nearly as much against Nebraska. I think that unit's coming. But they saw that they showed great improvement. And and here's the thing about them: have they bent? Certainly. Have they given up some yards? Certainly. Uh, against TCU, they give up some points. Certainly. But, man, they seem to make plays when they need to. I mean, interceptions, forced fumbles, they've done that. And so even when they've kind of bent, they've come back and made a play. And so uh, that, I, I think the, I feel better sitting here today than I did a week ago prior to the Nebraska game about that defense. All right, let's look at 
the game coming up on Saturday night, Rams and the Buffaloes, Rocky Mountain Showdown. I was on a radio show earlier today, and they asked me, give me a scenario where Colorado State can come in and pull the upset. <laughs> and I started laughing. Look, I mean, it's a three-touchdown spread in this contest. I said, look, Colorado State's going to be improved this year. Can they make a big improvement from week one to week two? Because the Rams were awful against Washington State, who I think is pretty good, and now a top yep. 25 team. And I said, and you look at the fact that Colorado uh, is riding high. They're expected to beat the Buffaloes. There's nobody in the world outside of Ford Collins that expects the Buffs to beat the Rams. And you look at the fact that Oregon in Eugene looms coming up next week in, in what will be a massive game if both teams are undefeated going into it. So I said, kind of laid it out. Hey, and you got to get some turnovers and maybe some fluky stuff happen. Give me your thoughts on on the Rocky Mountain showdown and, and how the Buffs are viewing this game. Well, I, I don't think being around uh, Coach Prime and kind of how he approaches things, um, he really is. There, there's a reason why we talk about him as an athlete, of one of the greatest athletes of all time in football and baseball. The guy was unbelievably talented, number one, and unbelievably focused, number two, and number three, really studied his craft. And, and as he and I have talked, he told me a story one time about uh, – you know, covering Jerry Rice, who's, uh, you know, as we know, widely considered maybe the greatest receiver of all time. And he said, I, I, I used to study him. I picked up some tells that he had. I'd watch the way his foot angle was or where he set his hand and, and had great success against Jerry Rice. And, and, and he's taken that same mindset into the, the coaching ranks. Um, I don't see this team, you know, getting drunk on its own wine, if you will, overlooking anybody. Uh, you know, he was very adamant about that a couple of days ago when, in his uh, press conference. So that was not going to be the case. Uh, I've talked with a number of the players this week and, you know, they all seem very dialed in. And, and, you know, so he's very adamant about that mindset. We're not here to win one game. We're not here to win two games. We're here to win 12. We're here to go to the playoffs. That's, that's his whole mindset. So I, I can't I can't imagine they're overlooking anybody, even with, you know, you got Oregon and USC on the, on the horizon, obviously. And that USC game, you get multiple Heisman, you know, quarterbacks in that game with the two of them. And so I, I don't think they're overlooking anybody. I can't imagine that would ever be the case, the way he kind of approaches things. Uh, here's the thing about playing Colorado. And I said this after TCU, and I, I feel it very strongly about it after, after Nebraska. If you're going to beat Colorado, you're going to have to score 35-plus points. Yeah. Um, Colorado is going to score uh, five touchdowns a game. They're going to average 35-plus a game. You're going to have to score 42 points or thereabouts or you know 38 with a field goal if you get there. I mean, you have to, you're going to have to put numbers up. Uh, and, and I don't know many teams that are capable of going out and doing that. And so this matchup certainly favors the Buffaloes, obviously, with the way they're setting up. But but then again, uh, you and I have been doing this too darn long. You can never say never because the craziest things that have happened in college football, um, I just know it's it's unlikely, but uh, I'm going to be very interested to watch on Saturday night. All right, a couple of final thoughts before I let you run. The atmosphere at Folsom on last or last Saturday against Nebraska, I mean, it it sounded loud on TV. I know it was a, was a madhouse. I imagine it's going to be a great atmosphere on Saturday night as well. Oh, without question. I mean, think think about what you got coming. So now, uh, the Fox Big Noon kickoff show is going to be with the Buffaloes three weeks in a row. I mean, literally before the game was over on Saturday against Nebraska, they had already announced that they were going to stick around the week and do their show again for the Boulder campus. Then 
uh, ESPN's game day said, well, we're not going to be out done. We want to be there too. 60 minutes is showing up this weekend. First take is showing up this weekend. And, and again, and the, the who's who of entertainment going to be there. And so it's, I mean, it is so ridiculous. Uh, the hype machine is in full effect. And as long as the Buffs keep winning, I don't know. I don't think it's going to take a step back at all. And so, uh, then you throw in the fact that it's Colorado State and all that that means, and 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 then what you alluded to—the fact that you've got you know these these marquee games potentially coming up on on the horizon of what that means—and so yeah, I'd imagine it's just going to be bunkers on a. I mean, it was bonkers at 10 a.m. in the morning last Saturday right. in Nebraska. Right. Bonkers <laughs> at eight o'clock at a Saturday night in Boulder. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the students, by the way, and it was I mean, it was a sea of students out there on Saturday. I don't think they went to bed on Friday night. Right. So if they're going to get a little rest <laughs> on Friday night and then uh, get have a chance to get tuned up for an eight o'clock game, uh, I think it's going to be quite uh, electric. Yep, they're going to be tuned up, no question. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot to leave you on this. Colorado wins how many games this year? Wow, I, I you know, it, uh, Brian, that's so hard. It's so hard to project. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I think Do they challenge they, for the Pac-12. I think they will. Yeah. I think they will. I, I think they're going to be in the conversation. Now, is is this team deep enough at this point to be talking about a 10-2, and 11-1 kind of season? I don't know. That's yet to be determined. Um, we're going to get a very good idea about that. You know, people have, have, have kind of talked down about TCU and Nebraska, which I don't think is a fair deal at all. I think, I think both are pretty solid football teams. But we are going to see uh, two top 15 teams coming up here. I think we'll have a great idea. Uh, what they're all about. USC's defense is unreal right now. And, of course, they've got uh, the Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams right now. So we're going to find out. But I still think Colorado is going to be in the middle of this thing because this team is wildly talented on the offensive side. And you and I know this. If you've got a high-level quarterback, you are going to win a lot of ball games in college football. And they, as we talked about, they've got one, a guy that's a first-round NFL draft pick, and so that is going to keep them in most every single game this season. So I can't give you a number. I just know it's going to be a whole lot more than last year, and they're going to be in the conversation in the Pac-12 this season. Yeah, no question. Well, Mark, thanks for taking a few minutes out, and enjoy the ride, my friend. Uh, I appreciate it. We'll see you on Saturday. All right, a big thanks to uh, Mark Johnson, the voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, for coming on the podcast here this week. Yeah, what, what a ride. And, and I remember Mark texting me in the middle of last season saying, I know how miserable you are calling your football team because I'm just as miserable calling my football team. And, and that's the way it was. I mean, look, we all love broadcasting as a play-by-play guy. There's nothing I love doing more than putting on the headset and, and calling the play-by-play of Rams football or, or, or men's basketball. But uh, like all fans, I mean, look, the more you win, the more fun the job becomes. And uh, the more we win, it, the, the, the more fun being a fan becomes. And, and uh, boy, Mark has called some tough ones over the years, but boy, he's uh, over the moon happy about uh, where Colorado football is right now. And and I, I think the Rams are on the right path as well. There's going to be a lot more wins coming in the future with Jay Norvell at the head of this program. All right, that's going to do it for the Insider Podcast here this week. Again, Jay Norvell Coaches Show tonight, 6 p.m., CBN Pots. And then Saturday night, the Rams will take on the Buffaloes from Folsom Field. First time the Rams have gone to Folsom since 2009. And We'll go on air at 6 p.m. with the tailgate show Saturday night and, again, kickoff shortly after 8 p.m. And if you're not going to be at the game, 
Yeah, tune us in on the radio. Turn down the sound on the TV. All right, a big thank you to Mark Johnson just a moment ago, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, and then women's golf coach Laura Seelake. For everyone, Ryan Roth saying so long. Thanks for tuning in to the Colorado State Insider Podcast. This has been the Colorado State Insider with Brian Roth. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Colorado State Sports Network.